Hello, I'm the Pink Phantom. Welcome to my podcast, where we will go deep into the lair of the purple worm instead of down into the rabbit hole, where we'll voyage into the astral realm of my mind and explore the verse of nerd culture. This is Phantom Thoughts. A bit of a short one this time. I'm feeling a little under the weather and a little bit idea challenged at the moment. But uh, we do have, I do have a new denizen of the north this week, and I have calls from Jason of the Nerds RPG Variety Cast and BJ of the Arcane Alienist Podcast. Both good podcasts. You should check them out. There will be links in the show notes. Jason's going to talk first about backstory in RPGs and uh, sort of the relationship between the development of skirmish war games and RPGs. And then BJ and Jason both have something to say about my comments about the OGL 1.1 that Wizards tried rolling out and it didn't go so well. So check this out. Denizens of the North. So do polar bears. There are scary things out there in the ice and snow. We used to be the scary ones. Bigger, faster, our white coats blending in. But these other things are really scary. We got chased away from our hunting grounds. No more fish or seals. We're occasional humanoid. Were they human? Demi-humans? The ones walking on two legs all the time. You know the ones. We thought we would starve. We wandered until we found the fizzy stuff. It looked like mud but it flowed and smelled good and so very sweet. And then it happened. Bears got smart. Well, smarter than the average bears. We started to play more, running and jumping and sliding and laughing. We got a little lonely in Minty Waste, but when we tried to go other places, we got dumb again. We'd find bears roaming around lost until the great Pooh Bear, not Pooh Bob, Pooh Bear, Created ice mancy, making ice into shapes that wouldn't melt. We could make bottles for the busy beverage. And we were free to travel and still stay smart. Enough to avoid the scary things. Now we have communities everywhere, at least within the reach of busy caravans to the homeland. And we're friendly, not scary anymore. So if you meet us, say hi. Hey, Pink Phantom, Jason here. Just listen to your latest episode 35. And yeah, I, I don't think you need a backstory, though, to get into role playing. I'm sure there's a correlation there between people that like having deep backstories and them liking to get into role play. But I'm not into deep backstories. I like. Um, emerging characters, but I like to role play. Like in Friday Night AD&D that I'm in, I rolled up a new character at the very beginning of a session this last Friday night as I send this message and no backstory at all, just rolled up this dwarf fighter and when I went in the bar the, the tavern to meet everybody else and got hit on by, by this sexy halfling and sexy human that were going to lure me into this underground fighting ring but I just fell right in and, and got into character and played it and went and, you know, oh, yeah, I, you know, and yeah, he has long red hair and it's braided and he's proud of his hair. And, you know, it's, 
and this and that. And so, I mean, I still role played the character and talked in voice and did all that stuff, which not, I'm not saying people have to do that, but I didn't have a backstory written. It just went as, you know, it just came out as we went. So I don't think they're mutually exclusive. As far as the skirmish gaming, yeah, I think that's a little bit of the snake eating its tail thing. There were skirmish games like like Western skirmish games before OD&D came out. Like 1970, there's the Western War. I, I've got it at home. I'm in the car right now. But I but there were some skirmish war games that predate D&D where you played individual characters and you could do war bands and they had individual characteristics and did individual things. So it did kind of predate D&D. And D and D and and we know Gygax was aware of those, so it and obviously a lot of these things now with the skirmish war games, these RPG light skirmish games take elements from role playing games. So I think it's kind of feeding itself, but there's no doubt the skirmish war games influenced D and D to some degree. Um, so so I think you're right on that point. Uh, let me listen to your answer for the OGO, uh, and then I'll probably call again. Thank you, Jason. Yeah, and I hope I didn't. Uh, I hope I didn't say that you had to have this this big backstory or this deep backstory. I I think because I think you know usually when I think about a character having backstory, it's you know a few sentences or something about who they are to give somebody just something to riff off of. And certainly you can make it up on the spot, especially if you're doing short campaigns or a lot of one shots or something. I think you know eventually if you were doing a longer form campaign you would have to develop some kind of backstory, even if it was just something that developed within play and was just something you kept in your head, just if you wanted to be consistent with the character, because it would be, you know, a little strange to be uh, Mr. Spock for up until you're about level three, and then suddenly you switch over to being Han Solo, unless there was some, you know, major trauma or change or event or something that, that triggered that. And I think really the idea of just the idea of a backstory and and how people react to it kind of separates people who are playing, you know, RPGs as a war game and people who are playing RPGs as uh, role play sessions or, you know, pen and paper LARPs, I guess, for, for lack of a better term. Because that's the two words that two worlds that are kind of you know, colliding in that that RPG sphere is, you know, the the LARP idea where people are out, you know, they're doing the voices, maybe they're dressing up like their characters and things like that. And, you know, the the skirmish war game ideal idea that that D and D developed from, you know, through through the chainmail lineage. So, you know, that's that's where that that's where those two things mix. That's where they meet. That's where they sometimes collide. Uh, and that's where you find the people that kind of tend to point at the other people and say, you're doing it wrong. So, you know, and, and the idea of backstory, it's, it's a trigger for lack of a better word. And it's funny because the people who are usually triggered by the term backstory are also the ones that laugh at other people for having a trigger. <laughs> At least in in the in this in the different parts of the social media universe that I've seen, anyway. So thank you for the call there, Jason. And uh, for anyone listening, if you want to hear more from Jason, uh, he has his own podcast, the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I'll put a link in the show notes, and uh, 
there's a bunch of other podcasts where you will hear Jason because he's in a lot of ways he's kind of the glue of the the anchor sphere, the anchorverse, the the group of RPG hobbyists that we that kind of co- have coalesced around that coalesced around the anchor app back when you could actually do call-ins straight from the anchor app. Uh, he calls into almost every show. He has something good to add to almost every show, and it's just really amazing. So I urge you to check out his podcast, Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Hey, Phantom, it's BJ from the Arcane Alienist. I just want to say I appreciate your comments the last few episodes about whatever's going on with Wizards of the Coast and 1D&D and the open gaming license. I mean... I guess it's one thing to follow it and and have an opinion on the topic, but you're you're right. People need to stop running around with their hair on fire. If it doesn't affect them, don't worry about it. And if it does affect you, well, you know, it probably pays to adopt sort of a pragmatic stance and just sort of make alternative plans for what you want to do so you can enjoy the hobby moving forward. You don't, you know. So, again, I just appreciate your efforts to be sort of practical and positive and optimistic and just just trying to you know avoid the hyperbole and the the outrage and the the uh screaming and yelling so um keep up the good work talk to you later okay listen to the rest of your episode i think you've nailed it on the head i love your take on this and i'm with you 100 percent here um regardless of what wizards does it's their stuff i mean I, I know people get outraged, but it, but you're right, 100% right. I do understand the desire to have some kind of unified language, some kind of license or maybe Creative Commons that lets people use a unified language so everybody's not coming up with their own term for health or hit points, right? And luckily, Matt Fitch of um, Mr. Game, Mr. Anyway, Matt Finch, the guy behind Swords and Wizardry, is doing his own version, his own OGL thing. So we'll see what that looks like. I know Paizo and a bunch of the big companies are doing something called Orc, but let's be fair, they're not fair. They're not um, friends of the little guy either. And I worry about morality clauses and things like that being put in Paizos, where I don't think we're going to see any kind of morality clause or any of that nonsense in uh, Matt Finch's. So I'm interested to see that. And creators can also use Creative Commons, like you're putting your podcast out. And there are ways to use Creative Commons to do this as well. So I understand the desire to have unified language or, you know, be able to use unified terms. Um, I recommend Matt Finch's video on this because he talks about terms in there and how, like you talk about, it's more the the way the stat stat blocks are displayed and series of words in, in the document, things like that. But I think you're right. I think you just move forward, you do your own thing, and, you know, what it means is you can't copy and paste anymore. You have to actually write out all the stuff yourself and use original language when you're writing it, which isn't that big of a deal. It's a little more work if you already have a bunch of stuff published. I'm not disagreeing with that. But for new products, I mean, you know, so I feel for everybody that's being impacted by this. I really, really do. But I think you've nailed the way forward. Thank you for putting that episode out. I'm curious to see other people's opinions. But, yeah, the outrage doesn't help. What we need to do is fix things. Um, I know Joe Salvador over at Raven Guy Games is working to rewrite all of his products to be OGL-free. 
and he's putting in the elbow work, you know, he's putting in the hard work and um, elbow grease, I guess. Anyway, he's putting in the hard work, it's early in the morning, and not enough coffee. And he's rewriting his game, so, you know, and they're, they're going to still be out there. And I think that's the way forward. So thank you for doing that, and thank you for putting a level-headed, reasonable twist on this, or not twist, but commentary on this discussion. Take care of yourself. Talk to you soon. Thank you guys for the calls and the kind words. I think one thing that, that this whole brouhaha has, has really brought to the fore for me is that this is, for all the talk of how much product is sold and how much the hobby has grown and all, all that, this is still just a hobby. It's not, I don't think it would fall into, except for a handful of people, the idea of an industry. I think, you know, Watsi and maybe Paizo and a couple of others are the only ones that you could say, well, yeah, this is a role play gaming industry because it, it just seems like all the reaction is on the mindset is based from a hobbyist point of view and not from people who have had a lot of business experience, business interaction where, because as much as it was like, you know, the biggest thing for me was that maybe was a eyebrow raiser was the 25% royalty rate when you got over the $750,000 limit. That was maybe the only thing that really raised my eyebrow. Everything else seemed actually sensible for a big company to be doing. Uh, you know, if you issue a license for your property and you're a large company, and I don't, I don't know that when the original OGL went out, Watsi was a successful company, but I don't know that you can call it a large company. So they may have had a more obvious mindset back then too. But if you're if you're a large company and you're issuing you know, a license for people to use your product and their product, you are going to want some control. And I think if some of the companies that have raised objections that in the past those companies have had licenses for something like, you know, Star Wars or or uh, Lord of the Rings or something like that, they would probably tell you that the licenses they operated under had some of those sort of qualifications where they either there was a list of things you can't do with that license, you can't do within that license, or there was a clause in there that said, uh, we're going to give these things, on, we get to give these things a once over, or maybe if we see something objectionable, we're going to let you know and you have to take it out. Because big companies, they protect their property, they protect it pretty hard. And from that standpoint, I think the OGL 1.1 was still very generous. I mean, it let the hobbyist people do essentially what they were doing before with the exception that they had to submit it for review. That was, you know, the most onerous thing about the change for the vast majority of people that were producing OGL content. Because the the royalty thing was really not going to affect anyone Maybe unexpectedly, unless you know, except for the single person or the small group that thought they had a large enough following to do a small Kickstarter, and it just exploded, and they didn't expect it. That those people would be are the ones that would be really hurt by that one point one version. Of course, 
at this point, we moved on to a two-point overage. So, uh, you know, that may all be moot at this point because it sounds like the 2.0 isn't going to have that, that kind of language in it so far. But, you know, the vast majority of people, the, 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 single, the single proprietor companies were not going to be hurt by that. And I, to be perfectly honest from my standpoint, companies that are big enough that they're routinely doing Kickstarters and stuff, they should be prepared to pay for licenses. If you're big enough that you're constantly producing product and constantly going to Kickstarter and constantly breaking in a pretty fair amount of cash, then you need to be prepared for those kinds of expenses because that's the world you are growing into. You are growing into that world. It's not going to be, hey, everything's free, do what you want. As you grow as a company and as you start accumulating a bigger and bigger income. So, you know, that's just, and the other thing that really got me was the people on the one hand, most people on the one hand were saying, how dare they expect this to pay for using their products? But then on the other hand, looking at another part of the OGO 1.1, how dare they expect to use our products for free? <laughs> like, I mean, come on, you, you're working both sides of the street here. You're saying you get to use their products for free because it helps you better produce something that you can sell, but they don't get to do the same. I mean, okay, they're a bigger company than you. So what? They didn't get to be a big company by making stupid decisions or not by making a lot of stupid decisions. Companies make stupid decisions all the time. They just managed to make enough smart ones to mitigate it. But yeah, now we're to OGL 2.0 and I haven't actually seen a ton of talk about the actual OGL because people are just so outraged and they're we're going to go do our own thing and, and, and how dare they, and they've lost me and whatever. I don't think in the long run, it's going to be that big a deal. Uh, you know, people canceling some of their subscriptions to some of the, the Watsy subscription stuff that had the biggest impact, or at least people say it had the biggest impact because that was when the statement came out. You know, but I don't know. I don't, nobody really knows. Even the insiders, I don't think, are telling us everything that's going on inside because they don't know. A company that size, yeah, I don't know. It was interesting. I was doing some research. I found I found an article that said that when Hasbro, you know, got a new head, they picked the person that up to that point had been heading the Watsi division. So it's not like the decisions at the highest level of the company are not being made by somebody who hasn't been in this hobby space. So all the people saying, well, they just don't know what they're doing. I think they know what they're doing. I, they may have done some things badly, but I think at some point they're going to find a way to get their money. And it may just mean, you know what? Y'all want to go do all your, your own thing. Fantastic. There's a lot of people out there that they're going to pick up a D and D book and they're, and they're used to paying for subscription services and, they have, they're not going to have a problem doing it. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And yeah, any companies or company coalition of companies that are putting out something and saying, oh yeah, it's going to be absolutely free and there's not going to be anything. If they have any lawyers worth their salt, they're probably, it's probably not going to be. Because lawyers will say, whoa, if you do this, then you are opening yourself up for this. And so, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I, It'll be interesting to see now that they've decided to trod their own path and take the high ground 
how long they can trod their own path and stay on the high ground before they get churned under by the by the outrage of the community. <laughs> but thanks for your call. The sound effects for the denizens of the north section was Windy Window from provided by Piddling Prince on the freesound.org website. Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. And that's going to do it for another episode of Phantom Thoughts. If you have any feedback you'd like to leave, you can contact me by leaving a voice message at anchor.fm slash the-pink-phantom or you can send an email to thepinkphantom1 at gmail.com or you can contact me on Twitter at thepinkphantom. The music in this episode was Strength of the Titans and Late Night Radio by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license from creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0